Time now for this week's Anderson Healy Show. Powered by Elevation, the Sun Devil's preferred home energy technology company. Greetings, Sun Devil Nation, and welcome to this week's installment of the Anderson Healy Show, the Sun Devil Radio Network program that brings you all the latest news and notes from the realm of Arizona State University Sun Devil Athletics and features ASU Vice President for University Athletics, Ray Anderson. I'm Tim Healy, the radio play-by-play voice of Sun Devil football, men's basketball, and baseball. And Ray and I are delighted that you dropped by to visit with us this week. Ray, how are you doing? Big news coming out of your department early this week, huh? Yes, Tim, and uh, hello to you and uh, hello to our Sun Devil fans out there. And uh, no doubt we've had a, a busy Long weekend and uh, some good news coming out of here, certainly from our perspective. And it seems to be uh, the great, great majority of folks are, are pretty pleased with what's going on around here, particularly in football with the hiring of Kenny Dillingham as our new head coach. We're going to take a deep dive into that in just a moment. And over the course of this program this week, we're going to bring in two ASU alums who are very well qualified to take their own personal deep dives and add their perspectives to the Kenny Dillingham hiring. Uh, One of Arizona State football's all-time great offensive linemen, Juan Roque, will drop by for a visit a little later on. And we'll also discuss the Dillingham hiring and some college football notes with one of Arizona State's most visible fans nationwide and one of its most visible alums nationwide as longtime ESPN sports anchor and college football studio host Matt Barry will drop by to visit a little bit later on. But we begin, as Ray touched upon, with the biggest story of the week. Heck, you might even say the biggest Sun Devil sports story of the year, the hiring of Oregon offensive coordinator, Scottsdale native, and Arizona State University alum, Kenny Dillingham to be the new head coach of Sun Devil Football, a one-time football analyst at ASU on the staff of former head coach Todd Graham. Kenny Dillingham has enjoyed a meteoric rise through the college football coaching ranks, having worked and succeeded at Memphis and Florida State under the tutelage of former ASU assistant Mike Norvell, having coached at Auburn under noted college football offensive strategist Gus Malzahn, And this past year, serving as the offensive coordinator for one of the nation's most dynamic offenses up at the University of Oregon. Well, now Kenny Dillingham, after doing all that, is back home in his own words. He's home to be the head coach at Arizona State. Ray, share with us uh, some of your insights on the process that led to Kenny's hiring and some of the factors that you believe made him the best fit and the right fit for ASU at this particular time. Well, you know, Tim, we could spend the whole show talking about that, uh, and we had a pretty lengthy press conference, and a lot of the writers have already covered all the uh, the uh, football acumen uh, that Kenny brings, even at such a young age of 32, uh, that makes him the youngest head coach in the Power Five. Uh, but the most uh, impressive thing about Kenny is, uh, you know, that passion uh, that you've seen and that he shows, uh, that's consistent, that's genuine, that's authentic. And as we went through the process of, of vetting, and we vetted, very frankly, many different varieties of uh, candidates who had expressed an interest either directly through their agents. Uh, uh, and as you kept looking at what we needed here at Arizona State, uh, we certainly needed passion uh, and someone who really knew and appreciated and loved this place. Uh, and Kenny just kept 
very frankly, every time we talk to him, every time we spend some time with him uh, on the Zoom and, and then in person, he just rose up with his enthusiasm. But he is much, much more advanced in his football IQ than his 32 years. Uh, and you've just articulated some of the story. Uh, but uh, this is a day and age, and we've said it, uh, you know, college football landscape has changed dramatically in the last four years. NIL, transfer portal, uh, understanding uh, uh, conference realignment, understanding that uh, you've got to sometimes work with less at a lot of institutions, knowing you got to work with many more folks than maybe you had in the old days when the head coach uh, uh, handled it all, did it all, made all the decisions. Kenny was very open to being collaborative and innovative, and he just kept emphasizing relationships, relationships, relationships. This is about partnerships, all driven to advance the best interest of these student athletes, growing them up, getting them ready for life. Uh, he didn't just focus on the football part. And as a 32-year-old, very impressed with his holistic view and approach. Uh, and then the, the, the guy's just so infectious with his energy, Tim, as you probably detected and hopefully our fans are detected. Mm -hmm. So uh, bottom line for us, we're thrilled with the hire. Uh, 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 you know what, very frankly, a, a, uh, a, a joy and enthusiasm has been infused into this athletic department and certainly into this football department and very frankly into this athletic director's office in the last three days since Kenny has officially uh, been named. And I'm going on a little bit here, but I wanted to emphasize uh, how – genuine and how timely this young man came on the scene uh, for us. The feedback from donors and alums uh, has been extraordinarily positive. Uh, and so all of that plays into, very frankly, a very fine week goes far, Tim. Boy, that is for sure. And you know, when you say all that, Ray, I was fascinated listening to you just now. It seems to me that under any circumstances, uh, Kenny's qualifications make him a terrific candidate to be the head coach. But when you add in the fact that he's one of your own, that he is an Arizona State graduate, that knocks it out of the park in my, in my view because you have a guy that truly is invested in this place and wants to stay and, at this place and make this football program succeed. Certainly. Uh, one of the factors, very frankly, that we were – uh, uh, really uh, focusing on with the multitude of candidates we, we spoke with was, is this going to be a stepping stone uh, to another place? Is this going to be a place where you're going to come in and hope to have success with all the support we're going to give you over the next two or three years? Uh, and then you're looking for the next big, so-called big opportunity in one of the you know uh, uh, higher paying conferences, the SEC, the Big Ten, let's just be frank about it. Uh, and so that was a concern. And as you and I were talking a little bit about, uh, you want to reduce your flight risk. That means reduce the, 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 the risk that someone will come in here and be looking to fly out of here uh, as soon as something better came along and, and paid a lot more and they thought it was fancier. Kenny Dillingham is home. You, you, not many people flee home unless they got good reason that is of their own making, which is usually a bad thing when people flee from home. This isn't a stepping stone. 
because all the stones that uh, he would want to step on are right here because this is a whole family. His, his, his generations, his wife's from here, his mom and dad, uh, his in-laws, his brothers and sisters. I mean, it goes really deep. This is not a stepping stone at all. This, is, this was a bridge home, and he doesn't want to, uh, in my view, make this a short-term uh, visit by any stretch of the imagination. And he wants to rally the Valley, too, around Sun Devil football. That was one of the themes of his uh, comments at his press conference on Sunday. Uh, indeed, and, and someone uh, told me that they thought Rally the Valley might belong to the Suns or somebody else who has used that as a call to, to action. Uh, and so we're going to activate the Valley. Uh, we won't steal our, our, our local uh, 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 organization's call, although it is a very good one. And I'm okay with mm-hmm. Kenny having used it, but uh, we'll we'll activate the valley. And he's made it very clear he's already off doing that stuff while he's working hard, putting together a, a staff and making the transition here. Uh, but he's already out uh, meeting with uh, groups of alums and donors and former players uh, who want to uh, instantly be part of activating the valley for Sun Devil of football. So. Uh, I'm really, really pleased with Kenny Dillingham. He's already met by Zoom, I understand, with the families of uh, Sun Devil players. He's also uh, met by Zoom with high school coaches around the state trying to uh, spread the message early on that Arizona State is actively going to be recruiting the state. And I thought it was interesting that one of the best reactions and biggest reactions from his news conference on Sunday was when he announced that your interim head coach of the last uh, two months, Sean Aguano, will remain on staff under Kenny Dillingham in to, in an as-yet-to-be-determined uh, position. But uh, really great to have Coach Aguano continue on here because of his ties to the uh, Arizona high school community. Uh, indeed, and uh, I'll give you two examples of why Kenny Dillingham is the real deal. We had his introductory press conference at 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, and with his idea and his recommendation, by 4 o'clock, he had arranged with our assistants a Zoom with Arizona high school coaches, uh, uh, wanting to reach out, wanting to engage, wanting to reintroduce himself. We had 125 coaches on that call, Tim. Uh, wow. And what does that tell you about him? Uh, and then, very frankly, when we were interviewing uh, our finalist candidates, we made it very clear that we felt that the value that Sean Aguano uh, has has brought to this program in his four years here uh, before he took over the interim, but certainly during the interim with, with the job uh, he did uh, 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 with the players and accountability and discipline and reaching out to alums and fans and trying to engage donors about the NIL, we made it very clear to the finalists that strategically it would be real strong to partner with Sean Aguano. Retain Sean Aguano, know your value there to this community and the holistic picture. And Kenny was like, that's an automatic. He's already on my list. Mm-hmm. I've already made it very clear in my mind that Sean Aguano has got to be a part of this partnership because we want to go out and really make an impact in the state of uh, Arizona. And who better to do it with than Sean Aguano? So Kenny really seized upon that as something that was very important to the program as well as something that would be very helpful to him. Uh, and so 
that partnership is forged and it is strong. Uh, and very frankly, uh, in our conversations with Sean Oguano, because he did interview for the position uh, and made it clear that if, if you don't prevail as the candidate, you need to know that we're very enthusiastic and we have been very adamant that we want you to remain as part of the program. So uh, I don't think people really appreciate how the strategy works. But Ken Dillingham, unbelievably astute about that. Uh, and to his credit uh, and his great love and passion for this state, this community, Sean Oguano said, I am here to stay and serve because I want what's best for our kids. I want what's best for Arizona State. I want what's best for this program. I'm in. It, it was it was very uh, on both their parts, uh, just very encouraging, very enlightening, very uh, uplifting for me as the athletic director, Tim. I must tell you that. Absolutely. Now, ordinarily, I think in years past, if you there might be some fans who might have a uh, cause for pause, if you will, to think that they're going to have a 32 year old in charge of the football program. But, Ray, I think we're in a different era, not only in college sports, and you mentioned all, you know, NIL, uh, uh, name, image, likeness, conference realignment, uh, transfer portal, all the things that a coach has to energetically and enthusiastically, I think, embrace and deal with in the profession these days. But just look at uh, professional sports, how many major league baseball teams in recent years have hired former players who have never managed it before to become managers, and a lot of them have succeeded and taken their teams to postseason. In the NFL, uh, a lot of young head coaches, guys who they're not recycling former head coaches in the league anymore. They're hiring uh, young assistants who are up-and-comers, and a lot of those teams, the, the, the coaches lead them to the playoffs. It's a new day and age, and as we mentioned with Kenny's qualifications, I don't know that the 32-year-old component of it becomes a huge factor. No, it doesn't at all. In fact, uh, it becomes a, not a negative factor. It becomes a positive uh, because the, the young folks who are coming now and the things that they have come up through are different than when you and I play. Uh, and they, they relate, very frankly, more to a younger coach who's been through some of their experiences. Uh, so Kenny at 32 is much closer to their experiences. Uh, and when you drive home the point, this is about relations, relationships, relationships, being able to relate to this younger generation and it's same as happening in pro sports. They're going younger with some of those uh, head coaches because they relate better to the players that they're going to have to lead. And so uh, it is a, a, a trend to be sure. And, and some people, uh, you know, will forget that Lincoln Riley is considered one of the bright young minds. Lincoln exactly. Riley was a head coach at Oklahoma at age 33. Yes. You know, uh, uh, Lanning at Oregon, uh, first head coach, He's only 36, and there are three or four others that uh, uh, Sean McVay, a uh, very young head coach with the Rams, struggling this year but won a Super Bowl last year. Mm-hmm. That is the relationship. That is the relatability. That becomes so important. And then with all the changes that we've gone through, again, transfer portal, name, image, and likeness, social justice impact, the bigger voices that student-athletes have, student-athlete health and welfare, you got to have the energy – to deal with all that as a head coach in this day and age, even with all the support you put around them, the fact is is that the head coach has to have an energy and a desire to be educated 
and to be involved intimately in those things while not necessarily having to get into the weeds, but you got to at least be conversant and able to recruit and sell to it, which means you got to know it and you got to actually want to do it. Kenny can do it, man. And he wants to do it, and he's ready to roll up his sleeves with the uh, transfer portal opening up this Sunday, I believe, Ray, December 5th. Uh, he's he, he said at his press conference he is a big proponent of the transfer portal, which is, you know, his way of saying it's part of the reality, it's part of the landscape, and this is a way that we are going to uh, help fill our roster. Uh, indeed. He said we're going to attack the transfer portal. And what that means is uh, you want to go in uh, with a real – enthusiastic narrative about what you get in terms of the style of play you're going to get on the offensive defensive side and special teams if you come here to Arizona State Uh, and so you got to go out there uh, and aggressively sell that along with I care about you we're going to have a relationship this isn't going to just be about football Uh, come and join us so you got to go in and really study and identify Uh, those in the portal that are important for you. Equally important is you got to go and recruit our own current roster before the portal opens. And that's a big part of what Kenny wanted to get uh, uh, doing right away, which he did immediately after the press conference. He went and met with the team and met with a lot of the players individually to get that relationship going. And it's called roster management. We want to manage the number of guys who may be looking to leave us through the portal as well as identifying guys that we want to have join us through the portal. Kenny's very astute about all that, uh, Tim, and is working as we speak on all of that very diligently. Well, the hiring of Kenny Dillingham occurred less than 48 hours after the 2022 season concluded for the Sun Devils with a hard-fought yet disappointing 38-35 loss to the Arizona Wildcats last Black Friday in the annual Territorial Cup rivalry game in Tucson, a loss that ended the Sun Devils' five-year, five-game winning streak against the Wildcats. Arizona State coming up short, despite the fact that they rolled up 537 total yards of offense, including 376 passing yards from Tucson-area native Trenton Bourget, and despite racking up a remarkable 39 first downs compared to just 19 for the Wildcats. Despite those numbers, the Devils lost primarily because of five turnovers, Ray, and by an inability to stop U of A running back Michael Wiley, who was, I believe, named the Bob Moran Award winner as the Territorial Cup game MVP, and good reason. He rushed for 214 yards in just 12 carries, averaging almost 18 yards per attempt and three touchdowns. You know, Tim, those of us who saw the game can never uh, deny that Uh, We had five turnovers. You're not going to ever win a Pop Warner game with five turnovers normally. Uh, And when you're giving up that kind of yardage on defense, uh, 12 carries for, what, a thousand yards, whatever it is, it seemed to it seemed to me like he had just he was just running. He could probably still be running. Uh, You know, it's just that that was just a a very disappointing uh, performance. Uh, You know, we we left the cup down there. uh, And right now, very frankly, that's in our rearview mirror because uh, it has to be. We're looking forward now with Kenny Dillingham. Uh, we'll never uh, forget that experience, but it, it can't linger because we've got too many uh, positive things in front of us. Uh, but when we get to that game next year, I'm sure some of those memories will be 
recited as a motivation to make sure that doesn't happen again. Uh, but we're moving on, and Kenny is a fresh start. Uh, and he, too, had a disappointing uh, last game uh, at Oregon when, likewise, due to defensive deficiencies, uh, they came uh, away with a, a close, heartbreaking loss. So uh, we all understand what those tough losses are when you're not playing up to par, uh, and we'll try to avoid that uh, every opportunity possible. Kenny is going to also be a disciplinarian. He's going to hold these guys accountable. Uh, and the phrase that uh, I like is that he's going to be demanding but not demeaning. That's a great way to put way, it. And that's the way you got to deal with this uh, 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 generation. Hell, he's part of that generation. We're happy to have him. The other big sports story of the week, once again, involves the Sun Devil hockey team which split a pair of home games against then-top-ranked Minnesota this past weekend, including a thrilling 6-5 to overtime win Saturday night at a sold-out Mullet Arena, with Robert Mastro Simone's goal in the extra period proving to be the game winner in yet another signature victory, Ray, for Coach Greg Powers' Arizona State hockey program. Uh, it was uh, wonderful. I missed Friday night because we were on the way back from Tucson, and that 3-2 to two loss was also very closely contested. Uh, I was there for part of Saturday night, and then my phone started blowing up uh, with regard to what we were doing with our head coach search. So I, I had to leave at the uh, beginning of the second period. Uh, but my wife, Buffy, and just about everybody else stayed for what was just a thrilling 6-5 to five overtime uh, victory. Uh, and no question, uh, just a signature win. Uh, that continues to validate that, you know, Arizona State hockey uh, is now Division One strong hockey, period. Uh, and to be able to have that kind of crowd stuffing into Mullet Arena, sellout crowd again of more than 5,000, the student section is just electric, and the band was back because they missed the Friday game because they were down in Tucson. And then you add the band component to it, and the place just becomes a raucous house of hockey fun. And it's going to continue to be that way, Tim. If you haven't been out, Sun Devil folks, you need to get out there because this new facility where this emerging, elevating hockey program is playing uh, is really extraordinary and a lot of fun. Sure is. Get out there and uh, cheer the Devils on. Uh, and at the mullet, you'll love the experience, as Ray said, just a tremendous facility and a great home now for Sun Devil Hockey. Arizona State now 8-7 and seven overall on the season, and they are creeping into the others receiving votes category in a couple of the weekly uh, college hockey polls. And uh, as always, Greg Powers schedules so competitively two more stiff challenges await his Ice Devils this weekend as they head up to the Rocky Mountains to take on the number one ranked pioneers of the University of Denver in two games this Friday and Saturday. The puck will drop at 7 p.m. on Friday, 6 p.m. Saturday, and you can catch all the action of both games on the radio. The Sun Devil Radio Network and Fox Sports 910 AM will have all the action for you with ASU hockey play-by-play voice Tyler Paley along to bring you all the action from those two games, ASU at Denver. Coming up, we'll talk more about the state of Sun Devil football and the hiring of Kenny Dillingham as Arizona State's new head football coach with our next two guests, ESPN sports anchor and college football host and 
Arizona State alum Matt Barry will join us a little later on. Up next, we'll get the insights of one of ASU's all-time great players as ex-All-American offensive lineman Juan Roque will join us. But first, let's take a timeout. This is the Anderson Healy Show from the Sun Devil Radio Network. 75% of the electricity you're using is on products that are turned off, and your ceiling fan could cost you up to $5,000 over its lifetime. Sun Devils fans, you know your sports stats. At Elevation, we know the stats that can help save your wallet and the world. Visit PoweredByElevation.com and learn how our full suite of smart solar solutions can make a powerful difference today. Elevation is a proud partner of Sun Devil Athletics. Forks up, bills down. Get your forks up, Sun Devil fans, because Bar S, the number one selling hot dog brand in America, is now a proud partner of Sun Devil Athletics. From hot dogs and sausages to bacon, ham, turkey, corn dogs, and more, Bar S offers an all-star lineup of delicious mealtime and game-time meat. Grab one of the new Bar S Sun Devil sausages next time you're at the stadium and head to your nearest grocery store to score some Bar S today. Bar S, a proud partner of Sun Devil Athletics. Tempe is the place to be to catch the excitement of ASU sports. Before and after the game, Sun Devil fans can enjoy the sunny weather while paddle boarding or kayaking at Tempe Town Lake, hiking around Papago Park, dining on a patio on Mill Avenue, or enjoying a local brew while relaxing poolside at one of our great hotels. The next time you plan to catch a game at ASU, plan to play and stay in Tempe. To learn more, go to www.tempetourism.com. We'll see you in Tempe. Leadership, teamwork, sacrifice, putting life's lessons before yourself. This is Arizona State Football 2022. It's not just a point in time. ASU is part of my life. That's what makes the wins and losses personal. Down the far sideline, and DJ Taylor is going to take the opening kickoff. I'm Tim Hovick, and it's football season in the desert. We are Santan Ford. The Anderson Healy Show continues now from the Sun Devil Radio Network. This is our weekly program that updates you on all that's going on in Arizona State Sun Devil Sports. With ASU Athletic Director Ray Anderson, I'm Tim Healy, the radio broadcaster for Sun Devil Athletics, and we are delighted you're with us this week. The Arizona State Athletic Community is still abuzz over the hiring this past weekend of Kenny Dillingham to be the Sun Devils' new head football coach less than 48 hours after the Devils wrapped up a difficult 2022 season with a hard-fought 38-35 loss at Arizona in the Territorial Cup rivalry game in Tucson. Here with us today to discuss both events and to give us his perspectives on the state of Sun Devil football is one of Arizona State's all-time great players, a consensus All-American offensive tackle in 1996. He was also an Outland Trophy finalist that same year when he helped lead ASU to a Pac-10 championship and a berth in the Rose Bowl. It is always a pleasure to uh, talk Sun Devil Athletics with our buddy Juan Roque and welcome him to the Anderson Healy Show. Juan, happy belated Thanksgiving to you, my friend. How you been? Likewise, happy belated Thanksgiving to you, Tim. Hope you had a great time with your family. I've been great. You know, it's always awesome to talk to you and to see you, and we go back a long ways, you and I. So uh, it's always great sure to do. reconnect and uh, talk some Sun Devil football. Boy, it's the truth. Uh, we could probably buy a half hour of airtime on one of the local channels and just chew the fat on Sun Devil Athletics. But boy, a lot to talk about this week. Uh, 
chime in right from the start. Uh, what say you about the hiring of Kenny Dillingham as ASU's new football coach? Well, when we look at the landscape of college football now, so many things have changed. And one of the changes and the trends that you see is the younger head coach, the the guy who can connect with the players more on a personal level in a brotherly way, not so much a fatherly way. I'm not taking anything away from that style because I was a product of that style with Coach Bruce Snyder. But it seems like as time goes on and, and as with the NIL and just the, the different landscape with transfer portal and all just these different elements that are involved you, you you need a head coach that understands these different things at the same time understanding the generation of players it's a different player we're dealing with now so when we look at all those different elements along with the fact of having local ties being able to uh put a a a, a premium or, or a priority on on getting these local kids to come to the program and, and to develop here locally and be stars here uh, like randall mcdaniel for example or danny white um Kenny Dillingham was a choice that made sense. It was the, the guy that checked all the boxes. Um, so what if he's 32? That doesn't mean he can't lead. That doesn't mean he can't do the job. So nowhere does it say that you need to be a certain age or you need to have a certain type of experience. We were looking for the right person. And when we sat down and discussed this uh, a while ago, that was the, the, the biggest factor is what do we want this head coach to be? What do we want it to entail? And what type of personality is going to be required to get us out of the muck and mire and get us moving forward. And when you add it all up, Tim, Kenny was the right choice, hands down. I think you're on point all the way, Juan, with that assessment. And what did, was there any meeting or get together with former players like you in term during the uh, hiring process or the uh, coach search process uh, from anybody representing Arizona State? Right, without divulging too much, because I, I don't know how, how much I'm allowed to say, but uh, we were able to come together with some very um, um, important people, Dr. Crow, mm -hmm. Ray, Gene, and so forth, and, and discuss um, candidates, what, what we were looking for, the process, uh, where we were as a program, and a lot of different elements that, that were coming to us to find that right person. And, and I think it was, it was very, very revealing. It, 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 it's uh, very humbling to be able to be part of something like that and be part of a conversation like that. I'll never forget it till the day that I died, uh, because uh, other than being an All-American in ASU, being involved in this process directly uh, is one of the biggest honors I can um, ever say I had at ASU. So even that includes the Hall of Fame, because this is a big deal. Um, this is a new chapter. This is something that uh, is going to, you know, hopefully set up something that's going to be years of, of, of success and years of, of winning. Is it going to happen right away? No. But uh, I'm in for it for the long haul. I just want all the fans in the Valley, like, like, like Coach Dillingham said, we need the Valley. We need people to rally. Um, even if you're not from here, we, we need you to come support, support this team, support this program. They're doing a lot of different things to get us to where we need to be. And buying into that vision is going to be key, um, especially the first couple of years, because uh, it may not go so well for us as far as wins and losses. But what we're looking at is moving forward and building and getting you know further this year than the next year. I think we do those things. I think uh, we're going to be in for a nice shock that uh, we may have something special with Kenny. I agree with you again. Uh, what are some of the qualities or characteristics that you perceive Kenny Dillingham possesses, Juan, that have you most excited about his potential for success here? Well, without question, is just seeing the way Oregon changed under his direction. Um, it reminded me of the old Chip Kelly days. They were explosive. They, they were together. They were fast. Uh, scored a lot of points. And 
in this day and age, that's what you need on offense. You, the days of grinding it out and, you know, 21-17 and 24-21, yes, you still have those games, Tim, but they're not very they're not very, uh, very common anymore. You're, you're going to get yeah. more of the 42-34, 48-41. So you need a, a, a coach that understands this and that knows that you got to put up points in a hurry. you got to be able to, you know, you know, Get get get, get uh, those those one two play scoring drives. Yes, you want those ten twelve plays, of course, to, you know, to, for clock management. But you got to be able to score quickly. And in, in this game, it's changed so much that you need to have that. And hopefully, on the defensive side, you know, by him bringing back Vince, Amy, uh, we can get that nastiness back, get that uh, attack mode back. Um, as the defensive steps round Steph rounds out, what we want to see obviously is a defense that is going to be able to stop on third and three, third and five, get them into second and long. Because, again, first down script, but that was a big Achilles heel of our Devils last season is we couldn't seem to get off the field. We, we couldn't seem to stop them on first down, stop them on third down. So hopefully they bring all these things together. I think what Kenny brings is that fresh perspective. Uh, he brings a knowledge of the game to working with Norvell, working at Auburn, he just working up at Oregon. He just has these different elements of experience, even for a young age, even darn coaching a chaparral. He just has a well-rounded experience that I think it's what's needed right now. We need a 180, Tim. We need a 180 in this program as far as attitude, direction, style, everything, just to get out of the, the old and get in with the new. And, again, can't say it enough. This was the guy. This is the guy we needed. He's a Sun Devil. He loves the Valley. He's from here. Um, you could see it in his face on Sunday how happy he was. He's getting emotional. I don't know how probably getting emotional. Cry you want, Coach. It just shows me it's important to you. And I think that the alumni are, are going to rally behind behind Coach Dillingham, and uh, we're going to – do everything we can from our end to help him be successful and get this program where it needs to be. And I thought it was a great touch by him to uh, retain Coach Sean Aguano on staff. Uh, I think Sean earned a lot of respect for the work he did as the interim head coach over the final nine games and his uh, passion for recruiting the state, the success he had as a high school coach at Chandler High School. I think he'll be an invaluable uh, member of uh, Coach Dillingham's uh, first ASU staff. I couldn't agree more. I met Coach Aguano twice and both times. Classy guy, welcoming, warm, makes you feel like he's known you for years. He's just a, he's a heck of a guy. Um, love him to death. Um, I'm so happy that he is staying because, again, he has those local ties. Um, he's a family man. He, he loves the players, and the players love him. And I think he will be an integral part of what the, this re- rebuilding process will be. And you never know. You may see Sean one day leading his own program. Um, didn't happen this time around, but uh, I have no doubt that he has all the talent and all and all the knowledge and, and the personality to eventually move into a role like that. Uh, but right now, I'm just thrilled that he's able to stay. I'm, I'm glad that they were able to get that to, to happen because I believe he's an important piece of what we're trying to do as far as the local recruiting and getting these studs that, you know, Arizona is, is big-time high school football. I have the pleasure of coaching it, not at the level of, you know, Saguaro or Hamilton, <laughs> but I still got a taste of it. And, and there's a lot of talented kids out there, and, and there's kids that really – um, would probably look great in maroon and gold that shouldn't be leaving the state. So hopefully we'll get some of those kids to stay. You know, you mentioned a name earlier in our interview that uh, kind of warms my heart. I'm sure it does yours and a lot of fans when you mention your coach, the late Bruce Snyder. Uh, it took Bruce five years to build the program that you helped lead to Pasadena in 1996 in that magical season. Uh, what do you think will be the expectation level for Kenny Dillingham in terms of how long it'll take to build a team and program to get to the level, say, that your 96 Rose Bowl squad did? 
That's going to be the million dollar question, Tim, is it, it can happen quickly depending on some luck, you know, with the transfer portal. Um, wasn't a big fan of it at first, but after hearing what Coach Dillingham kind of had to say about it, kind of changed my perspective a little bit, that it keeps coaches honest, it keeps programs honest as far as what you're telling these kids and so forth. Mm-hmm. So that may be maybe the, the, the wild card in this whole thing is you're able to supplement your roster with that transfer portal while recruiting your own classes bringing them in, you know, like Cal Whittingham does up, up at up Utah. They get these kids in, they lock them in the weight room for a couple of years, and then they unleash them as sophomores, and you see it's a winning formula. But now you supplement that with Coach Dillingham's youth, his excitement, his bringing in these kids, you know, maybe get some four or five-star studs in here as well, as long, as well along with the guys that you're going to develop, along with supplementing from the portal. Um, it could very easily happen a lot quicker than five years. It, it could be a whole different uh, – um, timeline just because of these different elements now that, that, that weren't existent when I was playing. So I think that uh, it shouldn't take five years quite like Coach Snyder had to wait. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, we do have to be patient. And our expectation should just be improvement, improvement in recruiting, improvement in uh, every other aspect that we've been lacking in, compliance and so forth. And if we see those things, then the wins will come. I'm a firm believer in that, Tim. You, we, we both spent a lot of time with Coach Snyder. What do you always say? Just do the little things, and the wins will eventually be there. And they were. I don't have any reason to feel differently with Coach Dillingham. With Coach uh, Dillingham, it's going to be any different. <laughs> Absolutely. And I was going to ask you, uh, what were some of your favorite, uh, what qualities that Coach Snyder possessed that struck you the most, maybe even qualities that you'd love to see a coach like Kenny Dillingham replicate here as he goes about the business of coaching his Sun Devil program? Mm-hmm. Well, one thing that I always remember about Coach Snyder was he loved his players. He, he loved us like his sons. You know, he didn't have sons. You know, he had his daughters, three beautiful daughters that I was still close yes. to this day. But uh, he treated all of us like, like we meant something to him. And, and you felt that. It wasn't, it wasn't disingenuous. It wasn't fake. Uh, from the time you're a freshman all the way to your senior, uh, you always felt that connection with him. And I felt that during recruiting time. And that, that's why I was really intrigued with Cal and, and potentially going there. Of course, it didn't. Workout. He left Cal, came to ASU, and everyone knows my story. I almost went to USC, and I ended up coming here. Why? Because of Bruce Snyder. Because I wanted to play for him. I just felt that he was a guy who was not going to let you down. Like, you played your guts out. You worked hard. You went to school. You did all those things as a student athlete to not let Coach Snyder down. But he also reciprocated by you not wanting to let him, by him not letting you down. And you knew that as long as you followed his lead, good things were going to happen. And I think that uh, – Coach Dillingham has those traits when you think of the youth, but the, the fact that he's been able to lead these young men on the offensive side of the ball and make great things happen, he has those same traits. And, and you see it, and you see it in the way he talks, the way he carries himself. Um, but to me, Coach Snyder was that love that he had for his players. is the biggest thing that you would run through a wall for him. I'd run through a wall for, through a wall for him even now because uh, he mm-hmm. means that much to me. I think he means that much to all of us. And, boy, we uh... – have warm uh, thoughts for uh, Jennifer, Tracy, and Paige, the three daughters, and uh, Linda Snyder as well. Uh, they were such a big part of the Sun Devil football family, weren't they? Yes, and still are. We had the pleasure of seeing them last year for the 25th anniversary, and I actually had the honor and the privilege of uh, walking Coach Snyder's two grandkids onto the field. Uh, wow. So that meant a lot to me that they selected me to do that. That's pretty awesome. Man, that gives me goosebumps when you say that. So what were your takeaways from the rivalry game last week, Juan? You know, if you didn't have a dog in the fight, it was one heck of a college football game to watch. Hard fought, uh, high scoring, the Sun Devil offense, especially Trenton Borgay in the passing game, really on point. But 
ultimately it was a loss to the Cats and ended ASU's five-year run of success in the rivalry. It was a heartbreaking loss for sure. I don't think anyone gave ASU even a chance in that game because, uh, you know, the Wildcats want to give the illusion that they're getting better. But when it comes to the rivalry game, it's anybody's football game, as we know. And the team that's supposed to win doesn't necessarily always win. Um, mistakes. I, I think the biggest thing is going to be discipline and getting these players to play within the rules, to, to, to not knock off the extracurricular nonsense. You know, we had a couple of personal fouls and things like that that happened. Can't lose your cool like that in a rivalry game because it just hurts your team. And so what if it's at the end of the game? So what if the game is quote-unquote lost? You should never, ever, you know, not represent the school with anything other than class and pride. Okay, yeah, we got to talk trash, and I know I flipped the bird at USC, so it's a little hypocritical, hypocritical for me to maybe say that. <laughs> but I just think that, uh, you know, starting fights and, and things like that, okay, there are rivals, sure, but, you know, I'm really close to a lot of guys from U of A now where – where we fought the war together, as we talk about, and you know, we're rivals, and one day sure. we hit each other. But I think this game just boiled down to mistakes. Too. It, you know, the, the miscues, yeah. the muff punt, uh, the, 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 the tipped interception. Uh, we could just go on and on. It's, it's uh, little things, but at the same time, they showed some heart, and Coach Iguano showed some, some guts with those four town calls that, that, uh, that uh, we were able to convert. So without those, we might not be in the game towards the end mm-hmm. as it was. But I think that uh, when we're talking about Bourget, I think that he definitely needs a look and, and deserves a shot to leave this team next year as, as a senior because he he's a leader, he's gutsy, he plays hard for you, he plays hurt for you, and uh, that's a kid that's just going to do everything he can to do the best he can for you, play in, play out. Might not be the most talented, might not have the biggest arm strength, but as we've seen time again, Tim, right, time again, heroes don't necessarily come, you know, cookie-cutter style, 6'3", 215 with an arm, 80-yard uh, arm. I mean, we, we had a guy that uh, was, you know, considered maybe goofy in certain circles with, with Jake, you know, but uh, <laughs> as you know, when it came to football, he was, he, he played above, um, above himself. And then he elevated himself and elevated all those, all of those of us around him. So I think Bourget has those type of traits and should hopefully get a look and get a shot at uh, leading this team next year. Boy, he did a great job this year. I mean, uh, they were just a better football team when he was out on the field and uh, managed the offense magnificently and you're right Juan about the mistakes I think that's another area where discipline will come into play hopefully enhanced discipline would mean fewer turnovers because when you think about it it's almost it's astounding that the Sun Devils had a chance to win the game losing by only three in a game where I think the turnover ratio what was it minus four and they committed five turnovers in the game yeah five turnovers is usually a blowout loss and that just shows to the heart of these players and Sure, they're three and nine, and, and that's a lot of reason to be like the season didn't go the way we wanted, and quote unquote losing season. But you know, there, there's there's losing, and then there's not winning. This team didn't win. I don't feel they lost the game. I don't feel that they ever gave up. They they fought tooth and nail to the end, and, and sadly the points just did not up in their favor in a lot of these contests. But one thing that I I'm very proud of these guys is that they hung together. You, you didn't see a lot of them coming at each other on the sidelines. They they, they they stayed united. They gave it everything they had, and sadly, the wins weren't there. But when you look at the efforts of uh, Zazavian Valade, who's going to play in the NFL, I'm sure you would agree, he just showed a lot of heart. Played hurt on Friday, had a, a gimpy ankle. I saw that rolled up. Usually, that gets you out of the game. And here this kid is playing in the fourth quarter, running, and you can see it. He's in pain. You can see the gait that he's kind of limping a little, but yet he's running with everything he has. Like that, that, to me, earns my respect. That's a Sun Devil, man. That's what we need. Those, those are the kind of guys that we have to have in this program. And okay, the wins weren't there this season, but you know what, Tim? I'm just proud of them if they'd have went nine and three. 
because of the way they played. Fantastic insights, as promised, from one of our all-time favorites. I told you we could buy a half hour of airtime on some local TV station and uh, just talk Sun Devil football until we're blue in the face, but we would love every minute of it. Juan, thanks so much for dropping by. Happy holidays to you and the fam, and hope to catch up with you soon, my friend. Tim, likewise to you, to your family. You know, you're you're important to me as well. We have a relationship going back, what is it, uh, 26, 27 years, you know, from my first start against Oklahoma State in 93 when you were doing the broadcast. Remember the tape delayed broadcast for Channel 3? That's uh, right. He actually yeah. defended me against Mike Chamberlain, you know, who's trying to like make fun of me, but uh, you didn't let him. I'll never forget that. <laughs> and of course, our famous Bruce Snyder show in '95. Uh, oh uh, yeah. But so you've always meant the world to us. You've been the world of Sun Devil Nation. Tim, keep up the great work. Uh, we love you, man. Thanks. We love you too, pal. Juan Roque, all one right. of the all-time yeah. great offensive linemen in Sun Devil history, and our guest on this segment of the Anderson Healy Show. Up next. We'll chat with another highly visible ASU alum to get his take on the Kenny Dillingham hire and on the state of Sun Devil football as ESPN broadcaster Matt Barry will join us. This is the Anderson Healy Show from the Sun Devil Radio Network. The Arizona Lottery presents a winning carol. Scratchers are here to bring winning cheer for everyone over 21. For her and him, whoever likes to win. Like your dad, Bill, your best friend, Lil, your co-worker, Jill, your cat, Mr. Phil. Your son is so, your Newman Bow, and your helpful Uncle Joe. Merry, 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 merry Scratchers. This holiday season, give the gift of up to $500,000 with Holiday Scratchers from the Arizona Lottery. Saturdays are made for football, and when the game is on, we're finally off. Off duty, offline, out of office, a cracked Coors Light is our do not disturb message to the world. On game day, we don't think about the 9 to 5, but worry about the 4th and 1. So this Saturday, grab a Coors Light, press play on some pigskin, and pause on everything else. Coors Light, Mountain Cold Refreshment, made to chill. Official corporate partner of Sun Devil Athletics. 2022 Coors Brewing Company, Golden Colorado, celebrate responsibly. If you plan on flying on or after May 3rd, 2023, make sure you have the new Arizona Travel ID to get you past TSA security checkpoints. This credential shows a gold star in the upper right corner and is available to Arizona residents as a driver's license or an ID card. Don't risk a missed flight on or after next May 3rd. Log on to aztravelid.com for a list of qualifying documents you'll need to get your travel ID today. Vibe check. A free afternoon on a Friday. Vibe. The party after the after party. Vibe. 3 a.m. text from your ex. No vibe. A hard seltzer with antioxidant vitamin C. Big vibe. Vizzy is a vibe. Celebrate responsibly. 2022 Wilson Coors Beverage Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, flavored beer. Welcome back to the Anderson Healy Show from the Sun Devil Radio Network. I'm Tim Healy, the radio voice of the Sun Devils. Arizona State Athletic Director Ray Anderson is my co-host each week as we get you caught up on all that's going on in Sun Devil athletics. In our last segment, we heard from former Arizona State All-American offensive lineman Juan Roque, who shared some great insights on the current state of Sun Devil football, including the hire of new head coach Kenny Dillingham. Well, now we're about to get the perspectives of one of college football's most knowledgeable observers in the national media, a guy who also happens to know a thing or two about Arizona State. 
given the fact that he's from Scottsdale and is a proud graduate of the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication at ASU. And in recent years, he has made his alma mater proud with his work as a studio anchor on ESPN Sports Center, as well as uh, anchoring the network's college football coverage each weekend, as well as doing the play-by-play on ESPN's Thursday night college football package. It's a pleasure to welcome our friend Matt Berry to the Anderson Healy Show. How have you been, Matt? Busy fall for you, as usual, right? Yeah, Tim, always good catching up with you. It, you know, I always say this around Labor Day weekend. I tell everyone, I said, soak it up. We're going to wake up and it's going to be Thanksgiving. And here we are the week after Thanksgiving, heading to the championship week into the college football season already. It's amazing. Sure is. Well, we'll get to the national scene in college football a little bit later, but uh, let's start uh, with the hiring of Kenny Dillingham as Arizona State's new head football coach. To me, Matt, on so many levels, this seems to me like a no-brainer. What uh, what say you about the hiring of Coach Dillingham? Yeah, look, th- this was a must hire for Arizona State. And I know how many names were trotted out there and some of the other candidates that, that interviewed with the school, but for me, as an Arizona State alum, as somebody grew up in Scottsdale, went to Saguaro, rival high schools of Dillingham. I think that's the only check bar, um, box against him is uh, that he went to Chaparral. <laughs> and I went to right. Saguaro. But you had to find someone that understands what Arizona State is, what it can be, and what that area is all about. You know, I was sick and tired of – hearing some of these coaches' names that were getting thrown out there that had been head coaches before that just wanted to live in Scottsdale. Well, everybody wants to live in Scottsdale. It's a great place to live. But you need someone that's from the area that really understands how to tap in to the fan passion, tap into the great high school football. These schools from all over the country, SEC and other conferences are coming in there and poaching quarterbacks and other players. You needed someone to come in that understands the layout. That's part one. Part two, you needed someone to come in with a relentless energy and passion to do the job 365 days a year. Not a CEO, a coach. And with Kenny, he checks those first two boxes. And then three, you need someone who can relate to the game the way that it is right now with NIL and the transfer portal. And then on top of that, the relating with the players. Offense sells. You need someone who is going to be able to go into a living room or, hell, even go to Elijah Badger and say, this offense, you need to stay. Jalen Connor, this offense, you need to stay. This is exactly the offense you need to be in. And when you looked at the candidates, there was only one guy that kept popping up. And I know there were guys out there with experience. And I, there was all kinds of names that were being bantered about. But for me, look, end of the day, Kenny Dillingham, for every box that was checked, in terms of what it takes for this place and what it needed, he was the guy, and it's a home run. I agree with you 100%. And I'm wondering, Matt, what you know Kenny pretty well. What qualities or characteristics that he possesses are you most excited to see him bring to Sun Devil football? Passion, energy. And I'll tell you the most important part for me is he's an alum. He's a guy that knows Arizona State football and wants to be a part of it. I've said it before and I'll say it again. There are people who find this job attractive because of the location, but maybe they take the job for the check and to live in Scottsdale and to get back into coaching. Kenny, this is a destination for him. He, he's not going to look, and I'm not going to name any coaches' names that were out there that were, that were being interviewed, but 
what was going to be the sell of that coach of them wanting to be in Tempe? What was it? Well, now I got a guy going door to door, going to these high school coaches, looking these people in the eye and saying, I'm, I'm one of you. Like, I'm you. You know, it's similar to when I get to speak to these Walter Cronkite students. Like, I know where they're coming from because I was sitting right where they are. So I get it. He gets it. And nowadays in college football, the believability of coaches and the believability of what you're trying to sell, sometimes it's a hard thing. But with Kenny, for me, he's genuine. And genuine in this sport is going to go a long way. And genuine in Arizona State with that fan base, especially right now, to me, that's the number one characteristic you can have. He's invested. I think he is invested in the program in the area because he's from here. He went to school here. He cares about what happens to this program. Yeah, and and that's – look, again, you you talk about how hard that is to find something in this day and age of college football. The guy was sitting right there. Now, I'm the first to admit he's 32 years old. He's never been a head coach a day in his life. Everybody knows that. We know that. That's why his staff is so important to surround him with those that have – been in that role before. Because I'll tell you this, the gamble here, if and when it hits, we're going to look down this hopefully five, six years from now. And by the way, he'll still be in his 30s laughing <laughs> that we've got one of the best young head coaches in all of college football. He does inherit a program that uh, has had its recruiting suffer the last couple of years because of the ongoing NCAA investigation into uh, the program. Considering that, Matt, what would you say would be realistic expectations relative to how soon Kenny will be able to get the program rolling and getting to that point? You know, I've talked a lot about this, Tim, with with other media outlets. And, and, you know, I, I know that it's common that when it's your program um, and when it's localized to you, the natural tendency is that the sky is falling and this thing is a dumpster fire and there's just no way you're going to get it fixed. Well, I'll give you two examples of how quickly it can be turned around. Tennessee football with Jeremy Pruitt was close to being absolutely gutted. And in fact, it was. Well, Josh Heupel in two years played the portal right had an innovative offense, and until a week ago, they were threatening to play for the college football playoff. That's example number one. Example number two is Matt Rule at Baylor. When he inherited a program under some of the most hideous circumstances that we've ever seen in the sport, to the point where there was almost a conversation whether or not they should get the death penalty and and get rid of the program. And I believe it was in three years, he had them at double-digit wins, playing – in a New Year's Six bowl game. And I don't want to make Arizona State situation sound not serious, but compared to the two examples that I just gave you, and now we're talking about COVID visits and a couple of other things that, that potentially went on there, in the grand scheme of things, if you get the right staff that knows how to play the portal, you can have it turned around immediately. Having said that, I'm not going in here saying that Kenny – needs to go in and be eight and four and nine and three in year one. I'm just right. trying to explain to Arizona State fans from someone who covers the sport on a national level, it's not as bad as it always seems because there's numerous examples of how quickly you could turn it around. 
And those are great examples. In fact, if you go back with Matt Rule, he actually built two programs. Remember what he did at Temple University yep, before right. going to Baylor? Yeah, and, and now and he's. It just, it's sorry to interrupt, but, but I mean, no. look at it. You can find a program anywhere. I can give you numerous examples of coach that inherits something that when he inherited it, it wasn't good. And with the right chemistry, of personality and players, I could honestly see with Kenny's personality within the end of two years going into year three, now to be fair to Herm, going into year three in 2020, that was where that team was built to make a run and then COVID hit. But I would say going into year three, Kenny could have us in a situation where Arizona State's to be talked about. I think it was a good move by him to keep uh, interim head coach Sean Aguano on staff uh, because of his uh, passion for recruiting the state of Arizona, his success as a high school coach in the state of Arizona. Uh, up close, I mean, I can tell you that Sean did a tremendous job under very trying circumstances. Uh, the program was competitive down the stretch of the season. Not many wins followed, but they were competitive, and I think he'll be a great addition to uh, Kenny's staff. Tim, I, I was telling anyone who would listen – Guano, I'll be honest, I told Kenny this when Kenny and I would have a talk. I was like, if, you know, Aguano needs to stay. Like, Aguano's a guy that is great for this university. He's great for this football team, and he's, and he's great for this program. And, and look, Kenny's smart. He, he knew what a good coach he is. He's a high school legend out there at Chandler High. Um, but the thing that I will tell you about Sean Aguano that didn't go unnoticed <laughs> – my yellow lab's excited. Uh, that didn't go unnoticed to me watching from afar. I can always tell when a team has quit. It's not hard. You can watch a team throughout the course of a game and say, or a season, make, you know what? They've mailed it in. The most impressive thing that Sean Aguano did, he found a team that had just lost to a bad, bad Eastern Washington team that, that, that lost their quarterback. Inexcusable loss. Found a team that got embarrassed on that kind of level, and they didn't quit on him once. And that's all I needed to know about the kind of man he is. And he deserves everything that's coming to him. And having him as a presence for Arizona State University was a no-brainer. And they battled right up to the rivalry game last week, uh, even though it was a tough loss for Sun Devil Nation, losing for the first time in six years to Arizona. Uh, that was a super competitive game. And uh, offensively, the Devils played great, but just too many turnovers in that game. Yeah, Trenton, Borgay, he was, I mean, I, I put this out on social media. People got after me a little bit. I said, you know, when have we seen a scrawny number 16 come out of nowhere and lead ASU and and kind of make this thing special because it kind of just had that kind of feel to it. And that was a tough game to watch. I thought for sure when we stopped him on fourth down, we were going to go right down the field and score. Can't turn the ball over five, five times on the road and get away with it. But with a guano after that game, and I'll say it with Kenny too, to see the emotion in, in a guano's eyes after that loss. And then conversely to see the emotion in, in Kenny's voice and eyes when, when he was announced as head coach, you know what that says to me? That says that this means a lot to him, that this really does mean something to him. There were coaches, a number of them hired throughout the country the last few days. They don't have connection to those programs. 
they're just the next head coach that's going to take over that program. And Arizona State now has a head coach and retaining the interim that have legitimate connections to the school, and I think it's fantastic. Bruce Snyder used to have a phrase. It was a very simple two-word phrase, but in, he'd talk about some players, and he'd say football matters to him. And I think Arizona State matters to Sean Aguano and especially now to its alum head coach, Kenny Dillingham. Yeah, and, you know, there was the picture of he and his wife giving the forks up back when he graduated. Um, it's special, and people know that he's one of them. And that's going to give him a lot of leeway. I, I hit him with a text the other day. I said, congratulations, you're 1-0. You nailed that press conference. It will resonate. Now get to work. Um, <laughs> and and, and <laughs> look, he knows. I mean, it, it, this guy's up at 5 a.m. working tirelessly. Why? Because it's his home and it matters. And so I, I can't wait to see what comes of it. Well, we're heading into championship weekend of the college football season. Exciting for you after covering the sport all year long. Uh, championship weekend will include a USC-Utah matchup in the Pac-12 title game this coming Friday evening in Las Vegas. As you and I tape our conversation here, it appears as though the top four in the college football playoff rankings entering the weekend will be Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and those USC Trojans. And Boy, semifinals of Georgia versus USC, Michigan versus TCU, pretty darn entertaining, wouldn't they be? I'd sign up for it. Um, Unfortunately, with what we've seen this year, I don't think we're out of the woods for some chaos this weekend, which would throw the whole thing into an absolute disaster (laughs) of argument, of which I'll be a part of on Sunday hosting part of the the selection show. Um, It's been a good season, but – it's been an every given Saturday season. I think that's good for the sport. When it goes to 12, I mean, if you were to look at this year's bracket and what those 12 teams would look like, it would be a fascinating uh, playoff. But we've got the four now. And as a fan, the, the, the math favors Utah. Let's see if USC can get revenge because if we're just playing this thing out, Tim, if Utah were to win, mm-hmm. USC's out. Ohio State finds their way back in. Then you'd all, in all likelihood, have a Georgia-Ohio State. I think LSU, I don't think LSU is going to be able to, to, to deal with them. But Kansas right. State's pesky with Will Howard at quarterback taking on Max Duggan at TCU. So there's enough that can still happen, uh, especially this year with all the upsets we've seen. A two-loss team isn't quite out of it yet. If there's just an unthinkable amount of chaos. But I'm one of those that believes Georgia's already earned the right. TCU's already earned the right, and Michigan, I believe, has, has earned the right. And so we'll see if the committee agrees, but if we've seen anything this season, it's to expect the unexpected. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Uh, chaos is the second name of college football, I think, this year. But uh, uh, looking at those final four, I was going to ask you, of the four in the four the four teams I mentioned, each will be playing in a conference championship game this weekend, which would be the most likely to get knocked off. And I, I do think it's USC. You know, they've, they're, they'll be playing a Utah team they've already lost to this year, albeit by one point in, in a wild game in Salt Lake City. I, I just don't see Georgia losing to LSU. I don't see Michigan getting beat by Purdue. I think that TCU-Kansas State game could be very interesting. Like you said, K-State's kind of a feisty bunch, but, uh, boy, TCU's been impressive this year under Sonny Dykes. 
you know, we keep saying every week on college football final, we're all kind of just, just waiting for that TCU upset to drop. and It's yet to happen. And now Brian Brom at Purdue. Now they've, they've messed with a couple of top three teams in his time there. One of them, I know when Ohio state was ranked second, mm-hmm. um, those, those teams that have nothing to lose, man, those are scary. Cause if you're Michigan, you just came off the Ohio state game. You're undefeated. You were in the playoff a year before human nature might be to at least start a little slow and then pick it up. And if you do that against that offense and Aiden O'Connell and what they can do, it could be interesting, but I'm with you. The one everyone will point at is not mind you, Utah's got two losses, but one of them was to Florida in week one and a disaster storm for them and a perfect storm for Billy Napier in Florida and that it was week one and everything built to that. Um, right. So Utah, I think they're the best of the teams, the opposition role in the conference championship. Yeah, I, I, that's going to be a heck of a game. I think uh, Utah does seem to rise to the occasion, those big games under uh, Kyle Whittingham, but uh, anxious to see all those playoff or championship games unfold. And in addition to that, we're uh, going to be uh, involved uh, personally. I do have a vote in the Heisman Trophy balloting that is uh, underway now with the deadline being 3 p.m. Arizona time next Monday, December 5th. Uh, uh, how do you see the Heisman race breaking down? I see three legitimate candidates right here in the Pac-12 conference and USC quarterback Caleb Williams, Washington quarterback Michael Penix has just been terrific this year for the Huskies. He was really good two years ago in the COVID year at Indiana, but he's yeah. taken his game to another level under Kalen DeBoer at Washington. And then I think you have to consider what Bo Nix has done at Oregon under Kenny Dillingham's tutelage this year. Yeah, Bo Nix's comeback story has, has been remarkable. I obviously covered him extensively when he was at Auburn, just being at ESPN and the amount of SEC football we do. And, you know, we had that label, good Bo, bad Bo. Didn't have that this year, but after week one, it was good Bo the entire season. He got banged up a little bit. But for me, I, I would say Caleb Williams by far is the headliner in this Heisman class. I would say that Max Duggan, TCU, should definitely get a look. I think we, we've seen enough out of C.J. Stroud to where he's probably fallen back a little bit. If you really look at the body of work, Bryce Young's actually played better this year than he did in his Heisman year, seeing as though he didn't have any first-round receivers playing for him. And so, to me, it's, it's really a two-player race, I believe, with Caleb and Max Duggan. Just because Blake Corman, look, if Blake comes out in the championship game for Michigan and goes nuts, maybe you can throw his name in there. It's a shame what happened to Hendon Hooker at Tennessee because he was having such a mm-hmm. big year until the Georgia game. And that, look, Stetson Bennett going into the Georgia-Tennessee game had more throwing yards than Hendon Hooker. No one knew that. So there could be a wild card here or there, but if I was casting my ballot today, which I wouldn't do, by the way, I'd wait till after championship weekend, I would, I would put Caleb Williams at the top. Uh, technically, as a Heisman voter, we're not supposed to reveal our choices. I haven't made mine yet, but I'll uh, probably hesitate on saying for whom I would vote. I can just tell you, though, broadcasting the USC-ASU game, the thing that impresses me most about Caleb Williams is his escapability. Uh, he is just so difficult to bring down, partly because he's a big guy, but also he just has some... Uh, I don't know what it is about him, but some elusiveness where 
my goodness, he's so hard to get to and sack. And if he and you know, you talk about a quarterback that extends plays, he's one of the best in the country at doing that. We saw it last week against Notre Dame. I mean, we were sitting there in studio, myself, uh, Joey Galloway, Jesse Palmer, and we're watching that game and his rushing yards. I think the longest run he had had up until that point, I think it was in the third quarter, was 19 yards. But he ran about 50 to get the 19. And there were numerous other plays where he did such a great job to keep the play alive and his mobility. And then he'd find Addison down the middle of the field. I mean, he's just an electric player that is going to be, you know, if you look ahead to next year, between Caleb Williams and Drake May out of North Carolina, the quarterback class is going to be obscene with the talent coming out next year. No question about it, but I I have to agree with you. I think Caleb Williams right now would probably be the leader in the clubhouse, but still uh, a lot of votes will be determined by how these guys, some of these guys perform on championship Saturday. Before we let you go, Matt, of course, the other big issue in college athletics conference realignment, uh, and uh, out here, we're wondering if the Pac-12 is going to become the Pac-14 or the Pac-16, or if even there will be a Pac-something uh, down the road. What's your gut tell you about uh, the Pac-12's future and the future? You know, like what conference you think your alma mater will be playing in, say, five years from now? So in the summer, um, late summer before the start of the season, I was pretty convinced at the – Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah, hopping into the Big 12. With the four teams that they have coming in, that makes it 10-12 for them. It makes it 16. And and mm-hmm. I thought that would, that would have been a, a hell of a league if, if that would have happened. Because it would have been point, a fantastic I – mean, it would have been a fantastic basketball league. That's yeah. one thing for sure. I would – right. I mean, you look with Kansas, now Arizona in that mix, but Bobby Hurley's yeah. got going. And then you would have seen – in my opinion, you probably would have seen Oregon, Washington, Stanford, Cal move into the Big Ten, and then that would have left Oregon State, Washington State. Maybe they would have joined the Mountain West. or And that's kind of where I was headed with this. Um, mm-hmm. Not to say that that's still not a viable option. I would still love to see the Pac-12 pick up a couple of schools. Uh, it's a shame that they already lost the – BYU to the Big 12. I think BYU would have been a phenomenal fit in the Pac-12, and I've said that for years. I know San Diego State has been in conversation. But to me, the most important part for the Pac-12, because it gets, you know, it play, they play late. They, the national attention isn't what it needs to be. Now, they've got more ranked teams right now than the Big Ten, so I don't want to hear anybody about the Big Ten saying it's superior. Big Ten to three-team league, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. Get out of here with everybody else. But for me – the Pac-12, you need to do two things. One, you need to maintain the academic integrity of the league because that is one of the big things that sets it apart. But then you have to be really careful about the competitive integrity of the league for a league that's got a big perception problem with top-to-bottom talent anyway. So if you're going to bring in a couple of teams, make sure they're good. I think Utah was a phenomenal add-in. I think Colorado, they're down, but I think they were a great add-in. So you got to be careful. Because if you're not, I would be one of those that would sign up as hard as this would be growing up out there and growing up at the Pacific Conference, with the Pacific Coast Conference. Um, mm-hmm. As hard as that would be, I would I would sign up for the one that I gave you at the beginning, mixing in with the Big 12. 
because the Pac-12, they need to do it right, and I hope that they do. Yeah, I hope they do as well. And the one thing I can say being out here is that it does seem as though in the last few months that the athletic directors of the remaining conference schools, excluding, of course, USC and UCLA, seem very united and I think determined to keep the league uh, at whole and hopefully add on. I My gut tells me there will be a pack something uh, in the years to come. And hopefully, as you said, it will have that uh, balance of academic integrity and competitive integrity that uh, has made this league so good over the years. Yeah, and, and I was in fortunate enough to be in working in DFW at the NBC station prior to going to ESPN 2008 to 2013. And Gary Patterson, TCU at the time, they were in the Mountain West. And there was a couple of rounds of expansion. They just kept getting passed over. Well, he goes in, builds that thing. They win a Rose Bowl with Andy Dalton. And TCU football starts to become a, a brand that people were starting to recognize nationally. They get into the Big 12. Now, they struggled at first because recruiting Big 12 athlete depth is different than a starting 22. And I guess what I'm getting at, if, if you looked at a team like a Boise State, right, that has been in the national spotlight for various reasons, if, if they could find a way to get competitive from a football standpoint, that might be one to look at. You know, there's so many schools out there, Tim. Fresno State, we already mentioned San Diego State. There are some out there, but again, the tough part with our league, because of the Cal's, the Stanford's, there was UCLA, because Mm of the academic reputation, it's tough. And so it just needs to be done right. And I know money is paycheck and, and everything in between, but there's a lot of times, you know, Rutgers to the Big Ten makes no sense. Missouri to the SEC made no sense. So there's still a couple of moves out there that have long made no sense. I just don't want to see the the Pac-12 do that. Well, great insights, as we expect, from a young man whose uh, work we enjoy watching at ESPN. I know, Matt, uh, your alma mater is proud of you as the way you represent the maroon and gold on the worldwide leader. And uh, we wish you and yours happy holidays. And thanks for spending time with us today, my friend. Tim, anytime. Happy holidays to all my friends and family out there in Arizona. Uh, You guys get lucky. We're about to get snow. You're about to get sun. It's just not fair. (laughs) That's just kind of the way it works. But uh, always great to catch up with ESPN broadcaster and Sun Devil alum Matt Barry, who's been our guest on this segment of the Anderson Healy Show. Ray will rejoin me in just a moment, but first these messages. This is the Anderson Healy Show from the Sun Devil Radio Network. The Arizona Lottery presents a winning carol. Scratches are here to bring winning cheer for everyone over 21. For her and him, whoever likes to win. Like your dad, Bill, your best friend, Lynn, your co-worker, Jill, your cat, Mr. Phil, your son is so, your Newman Beau, and your helpful Uncle Joe. Merry, 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 merry Scratchers. This holiday season, give the gift of up to $500,000 with Holiday Scratchers from the Arizona Lottery. Your moment has arrived. Welcome to Gila River Resorts and Casinos. Bigger, bolder, and better with so much more to offer. Grab a cold drink and cool off in a cabana at our all-new resort pool. Or take a taste of the here and now with even more dining destinations to choose from, including our new rooftop restaurant and lounge, Prime, a Shula Steakhouse. It's time to own your moment. So you do you. 
Hey, it's Paul Calvisi, and if there's one thing all top teams have in common, it's consistent performance. And that's what you're going to find up and down the full lineup of Ford trucks and SUVs. From tailgating to towing, on the job or on vacation, Ford has the right vehicle for you with performance that never quits. See that full Ford lineup today. Just stop by your Arizona Ford dealers or visit buyfordnow.com. Proud partner of the ASU Sun Devils, Go Devils. We are heading down the home stretch of this week's installment of the Anderson Healy Show from the Sun Devil Radio Network with Arizona State University Athletic Director Ray Anderson. I'm Tim Healy, the radio play-by-play voice of the Sun Devils, and Ray and I are happy that you joined us this week. Hard to believe, but Pac-12 basketball season is upon us. The 6-1 and Sun Devil men's basketball team of head coach Bobby Hurley open the conference portion of their schedule this coming Thursday night in Boulder, Colorado, when ASU will take on the Colorado Buffaloes. The Sun Devils have won their last four games in a row, including a pair of wins over Southwestern Athletic Conference teams at home last week, an 80-49 to route of Grambling State last Tuesday, followed by a 76-54 to home victory over Alcorn State this past Sunday afternoon. The Sun Devils will take on a 4-3 and Colorado team that already has two wins over nationally ranked SEC opponents in Tennessee and Texas A&M. But, Ray, this is also a Colorado team that lost by nine to the same Grambling State team Arizona State beat by 31. What have you seen from Bobby's team so far this season? I think he feels as though his guys are ready for prime time and ready for the start of Pac-12 play. I do indeed. I, I think you've seen a team uh, gel uh, in uh, these seven games uh, very well, and particularly the last four games, offense, uh, very unselfish, defense, unrelenting. You put that together uh, along with unselfish play overall, uh, and I think uh, he's got something going. Uh, and I think Bobby is uh, really uh, himself grown as a coach you, you can tell there, there's just a different vibe a different chemistry to this team and his relationships than very frankly the last couple of years so uh, I'm very enthusiastic uh, about what we're seeing uh, and I think this team is ready to play so it should be fun to get started in Pac-12 going in uh, I think you said six and one I think that's it uh, their mm-hmm. record Tim uh, and should be fun because they're going to play Fun basketball because they play and seem to enjoy playing defense. Defense has been terrific so far, and that has been the calling card for this Sun Devil team, and I think it will be all season long. And uh, my buddy Kyle Dodd and I will be up in the Rocky Mountains with the Sun Devils, and we'll bring you all the action from the CU Events Center in Boulder on Thursday night. Our pregame show will start at 6 p.m. on Arizona Sports 98.7 FM and uh, 6.30 or approximately 6.30 for tip-off. And also keep Sunday open on your calendars, my friends. This coming Sunday, December 4th, Bobby's team will be back home to have its first home Pac-12 game when the Stanford Cardinal come to Desert Financial Arena. That game will tip at 5 p.m. Let's talk some women's hoops now. Coach Natasha Adair's Sun Devil women's basketball team split their two games over Thanksgiving weekend on the island of Bimini in the Bahamas. ASU defeated American University 70-61 to on Black Friday. 
The following day, the Sun Devils lost to number six Notre Dame, one of the top programs in the country, 85-65, but the score a little bit misleading in that the Sun Devils actually led that game by three at halftime. Natasha's team now 5-1 and one on the year, and Ray, they may have found themselves a big-time scoring threat in Delaware transfer Ty Skinner, who averaged nearly 20 points a game in those two contests in the Bahamas. Yes, and uh, 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 Ty, who came with Coach Adair from Delaware, uh, she is the proverbial ball of fire, uh, uh, doesn't back down, uh, is not afraid, and is an absolutely terrific teammate. Uh, I talked to uh, Natasha when they had just gotten on the ground in the Bahamas going through uh, customs, uh, essentially uh, telling her I was envious that I couldn't be with them, but we had some other things to do. (laughs) But she was excited about this team, uh, thought they'd have a good tournament, which they did. Uh, We were very close to Notre Dame uh, all the way really to the third quarter, Tim, as you probably know the details. Uh, And then it got away from us a little bit, but Notre Dame's the number six team in the country. Uh, always has been a top performer. So uh, they they didn't like playing us. Uh, we know that for sure. So to see Coach Adair and the, and the young women coming back, they're going to play uh, Grand Canyon Wednesday evening uh, tomorrow mm-hmm. after we tape the show. And then we'll be out there Sunday for the double hitter uh, with the men uh, and then Natasha Adair and our women. Uh, I think it's Missouri following the men's game. Indeed it is. After the Grand Canyon game on Wednesday, as Ray noted, the Sun Devils actually will be hosting the first ever Breon January ASU Classic, named in honor of one of Arizona State women's basketball's all-time great players and a newly inducted member of the Sun Devil Athletics Hall of Fame. The Sun Devils will host UMass on Friday at 6 p.m. And then, as Ray noted, it'll be something of a day-night uh, hoops doubleheader at Desert Financial on Sunday The Sun Devil women will host the Missouri Tigers at 1230. And then, as I mentioned a moment ago, the men of Coach Bobby Hurley will take on Stanford in their Pac-12 home opener at 5 p.m. on Sunday evening. Jeff Munn and the Sun Devil Radio Network will have you covered for all of the Sun Devil women's basketball action at Grand Canyon and the two home games against UMass and Mizzou this weekend, all the games to be broadcast on 1060 a.m. Sun Devil Volleyball ended its season this past weekend by splitting a pair of matches at home, defeating Utah three sets to one last Wednesday night, the night before Thanksgiving. But then on Saturday, the Devils fell in their Territorial Cup match to Arizona three sets to two, and uh, even tougher to absorb that loss as a a two sets to none lead for coach uh, Sonia Tomasevich's team slipped away in that uh, five-set loss to the Wildcats. Sonia's team, Ray, ended up 13-19 and 19 overall, 7-13 and 13 in the Pac-12. Uh, how did you evaluate or summarize volleyball season this past fall? Well, it was, uh, uh, frankly, we, we, we were disappointed, particularly in some of the uh, matches where we let some leads get away, and we know that's something that we've, we've got to work on. So, uh, And it's certainly disappointing. Uh, to not get the whole Territory Cup point uh, by losing Arizona at home. So we split. We beat them down there. They beat us. Uh, so we net each other out. So uh, we know that we, we have to uh, really uh, look to improve uh, our volleyball program because our, our expectations uh, are a lot higher than the one-loss percentage. That being said, uh, still remain very, very confident in the uh, 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 academic uh, achievement and the culture uh, achievements of the program. Uh, there's no bickering. There's no backfighting. Uh, we just need to get better when we compete uh, on the 
on the floor on, on game day, and we'll be working on that, Tim. And one final note uh, from wrestling, Coach Zeke Jones, Arizona State Wrestling Squad will be sending athletes to Las Vegas this weekend to compete in the Cliff Keen Invitational on uh, Friday and Saturday, December 2nd and 3rd. The Sun Devils do not have another dual meet on their schedule until the new year, Wednesday, January 4th, Ray, when they will take on Cornell in Austin, Texas. Yes, uh and every time you talk about them, I'm 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 still uh, just excited about the big win we had at Missouri when we uh, uh, put the second highest dual match uh, attendance uh, on Arizona State records in, in that that big win against Missouri. Uh, so let Arena. me not digress and look forward to the great things and the great schedule that uh, we've got ahead of us in wrestling. Uh, so we'll look forward to having them back in Mullet Arena, uh, and folks should get out here and check it out because it is a lot of fun. On that note, we will drop the curtain on this week's Anderson Healy Show. We want to thank our show producer, Arizona State Senior Associate Athletic Director, Doug Tamaro, for his help. Thanks as well to our great engineer producer, Sean Crespin of the Sun Devil Radio Network, and to our magnificent show scheduler, Kim Nelson of Sun Devil Athletics, for their help as well. We will be back next week with another edition of the Anderson Healy Show, and we do hope that you'll make plans to join us. Ray, have a great week. Good to visit with you, and we'll uh, talk to you next week. Likewise, Tim. Have safe travels with the basketball team, and uh, we look forward to seeing you back this weekend here. And in the meantime, we say, Go Devils! Go Devils! Till next time, for Ray Anderson, I'm Tim Healy. We thank you for joining us on the Anderson Healy Show. So long, everybody. You've been listening to the Anderson Healy Show, powered by Elevation, the Sun Devil's preferred home energy technology company. Hey, Sun Devil fans, college football is back. So grab your friends in a cold, refreshing Dos Equis lager and make the most out of game day. Dos Equis is the one to score for your tailgate, at the bar, or even watching with your friend who went to that other school. So buy a cold, crisp Dos Equis and get those forks up on game day. Dos Equis, proud partner of the Arizona State Sun Devils. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2022. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. It takes hard work to be the best in the game. Planning, commitment, resilience, sweat. That's why Old Dominion Freight Line, the number one national LTL carrier for quality, works hard to be the best in the game and is proud to support those striving to be the best in theirs. Old Dominion Freight Line, official freight carrier of Sun Devil Athletics, helping the world keep promises. 75% of the electricity you're using is on products that are turned off. And your ceiling fan could cost you up to $5,000 over its lifetime. Sun Devils fans, you know your sports stats. At Elevation, we know the stats that can help save your wallet and the world. Visit PoweredByElevation.com and learn how our full suite of smart solar solutions can make a powerful difference today. Elevation is a proud partner of Sun Devil Athletics. Forks up, bills down. It's now time for the official Game Time Munchies break with a cold, tasty brew from Lagunitas. When you're hungry from raising the pitchforks high, reach for the highly balanced Lagunitas IPA. It's wow with wings, perfection with pizza, and nearly unmatchable with nachos. Their IPA just goes with football food. We're proud to call them the official craft beer of Sun Devil Athletics. The Lagunitas Brewing Company, Petaluma, California. Drink Lagunitas responsibly.